Switchmania Playcast. Welcome to episode 53 of the Switchmania Playcast. The Bionisodes. The episode where everyone decides to let Barry sit around for an hour wondering what's going on. <laughs> All the time, That's Barry. Friday. Just <laughs> 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 another Friday. <laughs> yeah, we were supposed to record an hour ago. It's great. <laughs> All my fault. It's all my fault. <laughs> Aren't we glad we're not live? <laughs> oh, oh, man, I wish we were live. Then other people could have sat with me. At least I could have talked with them while waiting. <laughs> you could start singing to them and tap dancing and everything. Oh, man, on a whole stage show. On a no. stage show. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, interestingly, um, at the beginning of this, I promised this to the Switch Collector Kickstarter backers, Barry. Um, yep. There's a update that I did that says you can't make this stuff up. And so the Switch Collector, as always at the beginning of every episode, it is available for pre-order at switchopedia.com. It should be in the warehouse. However, um, a couple nights ago, I got a very worried phone call from the legendary Walter Day. A truck pulled up to his house with two tons of books literally bigger than the size of his cottage and, <laughs> and Walter's like uh Jeffrey I think there's somebody here in mistake like it's a mistake they're here um what do I tell them I'm like hold on let me talk to him <laughs> don't sign for anything don't cancel anything so essentially because um some some people know this some people don't like I published a Walter Day book um, with Walter Day and Todd Friedman, uh, and it was shipped earlier this year. Apparently, whatever forwarding company my printer used still had his address in, even though the bill of lading, which is how you ship something, says Chicago. Somehow, a, a trucker picked it up in Chicago and took it all the way to Tumble, Iowa. So, so the books wow. now are traveled for everybody that's a backer. It's they've, they've been world traveled, touched by Walter Day. <laughs> They're like, oh my goodness! But um, yeah, you can't make that stuff up. Um, I was able to, fortunately, the printing company called the trucking company through millions of because there's like multiple layers in there somehow. Um, and they got it reforwarded back to the warehouse in Chicago. So, so they should have arrived uh, one day ago, like yesterday, maybe the day before, like day of. Um, but they should be arriving, like the warehouse should start putting them and unpacking everything. And backers should be getting their books soon. Um, one thing that JP and I talked about that we decided is, is that we're going to ship all the books to people as soon as possible. Like before because like the wooden book cover for example is still being created so we're still waiting on the item to come in um so people won't have to wait for their books they're gonna get those soon um everybody when we say this we mean everybody with u.s addresses because international is expensive um i just heard a computer ding on the other side i did too i did too as always jp Barry. When in depth, but not me. Uh-huh. So, couple... I think Barry's of... just uh, mad we made him wait. 
I know episodes. I no, JP, you, you, you constantly throw me under the bus. <laughs> so you do things. This is a routine thing, so I know it was you. We all know it's JP. Under the bus. We all know it's JP because he did it on episode 50, even though I cut out most of the audio. <laughs> that was so long ago. Oh, JP. Like a month ago, actually. <laughs> Good old JP. Can't trust him. That's true, you can't. <laughs> He's over there trying to post to Twitter while we're talking. Um, that is so. not true. You won't see me post anything. <laughs> yeah, right. Should we go to your Twitter right now? Yeah, exactly. No, you um, can go after. So that was, the, that was the promised updates that I promised the backers right at the beginning. Um, as always, though, please go and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the podcast. Um, the more positive reviews we get, the higher we show up on the algorithm. I think we're number five or six, maybe higher, if you search Nintendo Switch right now on Apple Podcasts, which is awesome. We thank everybody for leaving your feedback. Thank you. Thank you very much. Awesome. So, what's going on in the news, guys? Very. Well, not much for Nintendo, but Sony, um, absolutely. They, uh, they announced a new, router, a new router, didn't they? Yeah, a new router. <laughs> new, or a new... Uh, Tower fan, really. <laughs> Tower fan, router. Like, I have a surfboard modem that looks exactly like it. <laughs> um, I so, sent a message to Perry and JP. I'm like, hey, it looks like Nintendo won the war for aesthetics. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you got this giant box for the Xbox 6, and then you have this modem router fan looking thing for the PS5, which my wife's angry because it doesn't look like there's an easy way to put it on its side. So now oh, we no, it f- does. There, you can put it horizontally. There's so, pictures of it. Well, there's old pictures. I didn't see new pictures, but yeah, good because like we don't have anywhere to put it if we have to do vertical. Like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, I don't think a lot of people do. Most most entertainment centers are designed for vertical or for a uh, horizontal. Yeah, I was like, dude, that's bad. Um, so, but like aesthetically, like Switch wins all day. We're we're all the winners, listeners. We're all the winners. <laughs> yeah. Um, so more more importantly, though, besides all the games and all that stuff talked about. There's two models coming out. Yeah. yeah. So, nope. I mean, <laughs> we both did the groan, the collective <laughs> groan. <laughs> yes, I mean, JP, go with it. Let's. I mean, let's uh, see. you know, for those who didn't watch it, there's a, a physical model you could put, you know, CDs in, uh, disc-based games, and then there's a digital-only model. Do you think that's a little worrisome to the uh, industry? Um, all of the, all of the, um. <laughs> The different polls that I've seen that people run on it, people are worried. Um, like ninety percent of the people say they're buying the physical version. Yeah. Well, you have to remember this too, and this is this is important. The company we're dealing with in this time around is Sony. <clears throat> if you look back at the PSP, great system, but how did you save your stuff? You had to use a Sony memory stick. It had to be a Sony memory stick because they own the rights. When you look at the Vita, one of the reasons the Vita failed is because you had to use the Sony proprietary Vita memory cards, which were ungodly awful in terms of price, ridiculously overpriced. That $250 Vita, you had to then spend another like 60 bucks or 80 bucks just to be able to save games, let alone buying games on top of it. So knowing Sony, they're probably going to have some kind of proprietary you know, SSHD and it's going to be ungodly expensive. They're going to be like, you can't use other ones. And if you use other ones, it's going to be all these hoops you have to jump on. So, 
and and games today they take up so much room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that that, that digital only even if they give you a terabyte, you're going to fill that up within like five, six games. And you mentioned and, and today. We're not talking about tomorrow with the size of the PS5 games. Correct. Oh, jeez. Because all that power <laughs> comes at a cost in terms of memory. Holy cow. And my thing is, um, and my answer to the disc version versus the digital only, PSP Go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. People collect it because it's a novelty. Yeah. <laughs> well, not only think... that, but Xbox One uh, has a digital-only one as well, and I don't think that sold very well. No, it didn't, and it sold. Well, bad. Also, think about it. You go into GameStop, you buy your PS5 digital-only. When are you coming back there? Well, you, they'll sell you like the digital cards. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, think about it in terms of a retailer store that likes to, um, you know sell used games i'm not saying they're not going to sell as many but now you have a whole group of people that may just be more inclined to just buy it digitally it's available at midnight you don't have to go to the store i mean covid also has kind of taught us to kind of buy things online and you know i don't know i mean i i'm curious to see kind of how many people are going to adopt this model versus those that had adopted the xbox digital only model so question for you both what if six hundred dollar price tag for the disc based? What if it's two hundred dollars cheaper? I think it'll have an effect on those that already buy digital only games, like yeah. those that just do that. Absolutely, but there's still a bunch that will not like that, uh, no. especially because it's also it's not just a game drive. It's a something that even the PS4 Pro doesn't have. It's the Ultra HD 4K. Uh, mm-hmm. Blu-ray drive as well. So if you you know, oh, you does Blu-ray, it have that in there? Yes. It's in oh, the there's no, ch- there's n- there's no question then that people are going to go with that version because the Ultra HD Blu-ray player is something that I don't even have. I need that shit. Damn. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't either. So it's like that's one of the main reasons I'm getting it is because I'm just going to double down as a yeah. players. Okay. No, like that's why I bought a PS2 was for the DVD player. That's why I bought a PS3 for the Blu-ray player. Like. Yeah. I didn't have one for in either case. So, like, that's smart on Sony's part. Um, then I don't think, like, if, if they put it at $500, the digital one's not going to sell at all. Like, the, even as a HD 4K, Ultra HD streaming system, it's not going to be as marketable than those that have UHD Blu-ray DVDs, which we have a few because they were the same price as the Blu-ray. Yeah, so... Exactly. Like, oh, that's that's an interesting piece. Um, again, though, we're talking about physical collections, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So. Well, there's another factor, too, and one of the reasons that, you know, they haven't gone all digital only is because you mentioned GameStop, but it's not just GameStop. It's all retailers they have a contract with, Walmart, Target, you mm-hmm. know, all of them, Best Buy, to have those games in there. And if it goes all digital, they have to negate on all those contracts mm-hmm. and and if they negate, that's going to piss them off. So it's like, oh, we're not going to carry any Sony appliance, not just you know Sony PlayStation. They won't, mm-hmm. you know, it'll be like you you pissed on our Cheerios, we're going to piss on yours. Um, so if You're that happens, if that happens, and let's say they 
let's say the digital version does do better than we're expecting because of reality it could um mm-hmm. so they put out you know spider-man miles morales physically and it's sitting on walmart shelves it's sitting on target shelves because it's not selling as well they're not going to be as apt to buy the next game from sony to put on their shelves because they're now losing money thus they'll shrink their section and that will either a convince sony to absolutely go digital only or b it could also shrink Sony's audience, because while we're very much engrossed in gaming culture, there's a lot of people out there that don't care, and they'll just go to the store once, you know, once a week or once a holiday or birthday or Mm -hmm. whatever, and pick out what looks cool from the shelf, and they'll play that. Or, you know, the grandma or grandpa or, you know, uncle will go and and buy something that looks cool for their for their grandchildren or nephews or nieces or whatever. Um, And that whole market would disappear. And that's a lot. That, that, that is really where Nintendo capitalizes a lot. You know, they'll go, oh, there's a Mario game. I'll buy it for them. Um, but it's still, you know, games like Call of Duty. That's why Grand Theft Auto is still selling because it's still there on store shelves. And, mm-hmm. and it's a recognizable name. And if you lose that physical, you know, appearance, that physical presence, um, I think the industry as a whole will see overall suffrage because anyone can do the digital store regardless of how savvy they are. But and it comes to physical, not everyone, you know, is really paying attention and they just go periodically. And COVID, of course. Crazy. Hey, I, I will I will say, JP, we have a berry prediction. Sony is out of retail and Nintendo Switch sections grow for physical. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I hope. I hope. That's a good prediction. I completely put that those words in Barry's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad this is being recorded so everyone can hear. Cut <laughs> <Not> that. <laughs> Barry says gloom and doom for Sony. Hooray, hooray I, for I Nintendo. Don't, I don't say gloom and doom for Sony, but you have to remember, Sony is a very arrogant company. Yes, they um, are. They are beyond, you know, they were they were arrogant ever since, you know, Nintendo kind of screwed them over. They were arrogant with their attack on the, the Saturn in terms of price. Yep. They were arrogant with the PS2 success. They were arrogant with the PS3. They thought they could sell it for more, and it failed. They were arrogant coming out with the PS4, mocking the Xbox One and the DRM. And mm-hmm. they're arrogant with not going like E3. We don't need that. We, you know, we're doing our own thing, and then we cancel our own thing because we don't need that. And it, this arrogance is gonna it's gonna crumble, and it already crumbled with the Vita. And it's you know I'm not saying the PS5 is gonna fail. I'm just saying that they don't necessarily will you know learn their lessons, and bad we might see some mistakes repeated. You're saying bad yeah. business, business practices. Yeah, I mean it's any business that does that. Like you can only do it for so long, rubbing fans customers the wrong way to start building a bad track record um you make cool stuff people are still going to buy it but like the bad taste in people's mouths mean they're not going to support as much oh yeah yeah so no, i i agree with that yeah so it's interesting and I, I i would be interested very much so to see like where this all goes um, mm-hmm. obviously it's not Nintendo based, but it will have an effect on the Nintendo ecosystem because right mm-hmm. now we're seeing a lot of cross ports from current gen stuff over to the switch. The mm-hmm. next generation is a lot more graphical intensive. So if we see any cross ports, they would be downgraded substantially to what the switch currently can run. So mm-hmm. I, I saw some of those games. They look amazing. The new, um, Oh, Horizon Zero, or Horizon, 
like Zero Dawn, but like it's called something else now. Um, the so Horizon, yeah. Horizon Two. Um, that game looks amazing, and in reality, like I'm glad because it was as amazing as Zelda Breath of the Wild, and so I am glad that they were going to have another game like that. Would we ever see a that game? Ported. It's a Sony proprietor. Got got it. But like, could we see that game with those type of graphics ported directly to a Switch? No. Not Switch. No. No. But it would be. But the thing is, is that developers are programming things with variable bit rates and variable graphical capabilities, so they scale down on lower hardware requirements, and that's what they do for PC computers. So we'll have stuff like that for the Switch, but if there's a substantial decrease, it may not even be able to run some of these games. It all depends. Well, here's a question. You mentioned Horizon 2, so let's Mm -hmm. just use that as an example. Yeah. Do you think that Horizon 2, watching that trailer, and of course it's a trailer, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but did you, when watching that trailer, did that scream next gen? Was it really that much of a graphical leap <laughs> over Horizon on PS4 or PS4 Pro? Or was it more like, oh, it, I could probably run this on a PS4 Pro? Um, so I feel like everything with this new gen is going to be cross-compatible almost. I know Xbox is doing it, but it's like almost cross-compatible with the previous gen. I do know, though, that all those videos were running at um, high definition, 30 frames per second. And so it didn't show the 4K 60 frames per second that the game will actually be. Because, like, for some reason, the videos on YouTube and everywhere else were, like, 30 frames per second. There was somebody talking about that on a video I watched. And I was like, oh, that's why they just looked so-so. Um, now, I still think, like, even if we th- if we go into 4K 60 frames per second and it, looks, and it blows our, melts our faces off, then it'll be a different story. But right now, no. It does not scream <laughs> next gen for me, but I think that does have to something to do with the um, the way that they, for some reason, threw a thirty frames per second video. Even though YouTube supports all the way up, um, don't know why they would choose that route uh, if you're trying to showcase the next generation of video games. Interesting, yeah. right? What do you think, JP? Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm just thinking. I what's funny is you mentioned Horizon, and you say like, could we see something like that? And then I think this is a good segue to Xenoblade Uh-oh. because you you don't have, you know, the same graphics. But in my mind, like Xenoblade has exactly what I need in, in an open world type game on the Switch. Like, I feel like it's so powerful. And that's a game from 10 years ago. So it's like, I don't I don't need the graphics. I mean, that's I nobody buys the Switch, I think, for graphics. Right. Do you? No, no, it's about the games. No. You buy, you buy for the games, and yeah, I mean, I, you know, you're talking about crossplay. I, I'm hoping we see that continue, um, and it starts to build even more. Uh, but in terms of you know, like porting bigger games, yeah, maybe we won't see something that that releases. Well, I don't even want to say like anything that's on the PS4 can't come to the Switch because I mean, we're seeing Burnout, Burnout Paradise remastered coming this week. Yeah, and yeah, it was technically a PS3 game and PS4, and now it's on the Switch. Look at Doom, though. PS2. Yeah, we got yeah, exactly. We got Doom, which is perfect in my mind. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I I view the systems as just different. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, you're not wrong with the whole um, Xenoblade um, quality argument because 
you're right. A great game will withstand the hands of time. Like it's why we yeah. still play Super Mario Brothers to this day because it transcends what a video game is. It doesn't matter that it's eight bit Nintendo graphics. It's still fun to play. A fun game right. is a fun game. A great story is a great story. Some games don't age as gracefully, though. Correct. <laughs> Correct. That and that's true. and that's the thing. Some games don't age gracefully, especially in um. I want to say it's what the fifth generation, where you have your PS One and Nintendo sixty four, where they applied certain techniques to like put a gloss over the graphics to make them look all right on a CRT television that don't look great when you put them on HD now when you do a one to one they look muddy because of the what they did to smooth the blocky graphics mm-hmm. and you can use like Game Shark or Game Genie or hack the ROMs to remove that anti-aliasing, I think is what it, what it is. I could be completely wrong. Um but that anti-aliasing what it does to smooth the graphics and you remove it, and it actually looks substantially better. But that's not how the games were released. So how the games were released aren't aesthetically pleasing. It's like Mario 64. Pinnacle game on Nintendo's Nintendo 64. Um, plays mm-hmm. great, but it does not hold up well when you put it in HD on HD adapter on your Nintendo 64 and play it in HD. It's just... It, the stock game doesn't hold up well. There's this hack version that was showed up online that I've seen pictures of, screenshots of, videos of, where somebody has upgraded into high-res graphics with the same controls, and it looks amazing. And then, now it holds up well. (laughs) You know? So you're right, Barry. 100% right. Like, some games, like, depending on the generation, do not hold up well. Fortunately, Mm -hmm. with, like, the Xenoblade example, it looks great. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, it still looks great even on the Wii. I mean, you could yeah. if you look back at like Wii footage, you you can see a big difference between the Wii version and the definitive edition, mm-hmm. and uh, it still looks good. But it does look much better now, in my opinion. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Like so before I mean, we. Yeah. Go ahead. Before we get into the game, I think what's really interesting is after this presentation, one thing that I kind of saw from, you know, you mentioned you saw a lot of polls out there, but I saw a lot of companies, a lot of limited companies. Uh, you know, making a pretty just like front facing statement about support physical media. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, you know, I don't, I'm guessing they didn't see it coming. They probably didn't get a heads up, you know, what was going to be announced. But I mean, that's something for them to consider as well. And I saw, I would say at least four companies, four of the bigger companies, you know, putting out their own polls or putting out their own statements um, in response to the uh, digital only version of the PS5. Cause you know, it is concerning, too, because anybody who decides to adopt that model that maybe, you know, didn't in this generation with the Xbox and definitely not the, the PS4, that's lost clients right there. Yep. Yeah, that's lost instantly. Um, especially when you move on to those newer systems. So if you start, you know, publishing games for the PS5, you're not buying a physical console. You're not playing those games. You're not buying those games. Yeah, you don't have the option anymore. Exactly. <laughs> You're locked into one. Where at least the physical con- console, you, you can still play digital games on it, so you actually have the option. Exactly. That's to me, it's like, I, unless it's going to be a substantial drop, like you're talking, you know, that we're kind of just talking about, mm-hmm. I, don't see, I don't see what the benefit is. You know what the Nintendo Switch parallel is? Hmm? 
it's not the same because the the medium's the same, but it's the same decision that consumers are gonna have to make versus the Switch and the Switch Lite. Because the Switch yeah. Lite's only portable. The Switch you have you can play it portable or right. you put it on the dock and play it on your television with more options, it costs a hundred dollars more. So that doesn't limit your, but both play physical. That's why it's not like a one-to-one, but Nintendo does have that consumer decision point, which Mm -hmm. is what PlayStation consumers are also going to have. For me, for Barry, probably for JP, I don't think, I don't think he's not going to not collect physical, Um, but like, (laughs) (laughs) I don't think so, Um, but like, there's no chance that we're going to go that digital only console. That just doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. Now, I don't know, younger college kid earlier, mom and pop that are going to buy their cuz this is a, you know, a holiday release, going to buy that Christmas present for their kids and they see $600 console, same ga- thing for $400, that would be a major decision. Mm-hmm. Um, well, here's but, another factor yeah. uh, I just want to bring up really quickly. Um, because you mentioned it is, it is a holiday release. Yeah, and yeah. this year, as we all know, 2020 has been murderous. Um, due to COVID, the amount of PS4 or PS5s, I mean, that are going to be out there on the market this holiday is going to be significantly less than what Sony probably originally was planning for just because of restrictions and social distancing and all that stuff. So... Because of that, there's going to be less consoles on the market. How many people will be buying those digital-only systems because the physical ones have all sold out, and that's the last remaining? And vice versa, if the digital ones all sell out, how many people will, all right, then I'll just get the physical one because that's the only one remaining? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you it's- think? Um, Je- Jeffrey's like all the way in the distance over there. Yeah. He's like... Yeah. It's a good point. Um, every every once in a while, I get flabbergasted by the statements of, of Barry. I, yeah. I, get, I get flabbergasted, or I, or I had to disappear and talk to my daughter real quick. <laughs> Either I mean, way, it sounds like uh, it sounds like the scalpers are going to be out for the PS5. That's what it sounds you, like. You're you're not wrong, and oh, I I do 100 percent think that um, the production could change. Um, however, like even with my own book publishing stuff, like I had no limitations. Um, it still came out relatively the same speed, even though it went to Walter Day's house. Um, they're relatively the same speed as they have in a non-COVID world. So it depends. I mean, Sony has enough money to get the production ramped up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's, there's a very big difference between producing a console versus a book and, and the amount that, of books that you produce versus the amount of PS5s they're going to want to produce. And the amount of the money that they're spending versus the amount yeah. of money that <laughs> I'm spending. So, like, they spend enough money to get it done is what I'm saying. Like... But will they? <laughs> they could be cheap. It could You're work in their wrong. favor. Remember the wrong. 360 at launch and the Wii at launch? Not mm-hmm. saying that Microsoft and Nintendo did it purposely, but that scarcity, and even the Switch, uh, that yeah. scarcity has only benefited those companies. So Sony could be looking at this and going, you know what? Let's take advantage of it. PS2 as well. PS2 scarcity when it came out was insane. Well, yeah. and, I mean, Xbox Sex is coming out the um, the same time. Yep. So and how I many mean, people will buy that if they can't get a PS5? Well, and the, and and that's where it could work in their detriment is that you know they're they're like the Wii and the Xbox 360 were two different like markets, right? You had the casuals versus the gamers. Um, the 
PS5 and the Xbox X are the same, and I'm going to say that every time, by the way. Oh, no, <laughs> it, it's abbreviation that works, I say it too. Yeah, um, they are in the same market. They're, they're going after the same gamers, except for your, your diehards. Your diehards are going to yeah. stick with their console. But it's the same thing. So, again, like mom and pop going to the store. Oh, I want to get Susie and Ricky the... Uh, the PS5, well, it's sold out. Here's the Xbox. Boom. Sony loses a sale. So they mm-hmm. could play that Nintendo game where, like with the Switch, but the Switch wasn't going up against anything. Um, new. New it is the key. They weren't going up against anything, so people wanted the new console. They wanted it. Now people want the new console. Well, I can get the other console that has everything but the exclusives on it, and I don't know what the price point is for the Xbox. Um, it's also a little bit more powerful, I believe, than the PS5, too. It, it is. So, like, so if, if Xbox doesn't jack it up this generation, they could potentially have another shift like we saw with 360. Um, yeah. we, we could. Um, the fan base is pretty strong on PlayStation, though. So um, I just know I just need Final Fantasy VII Part Two, and then I'll buy my PS5. Yeah. <laughs> so well, I'm you good also- for now. There's, there's also a good amount of gamers out there that really don't have any loyalties or care. And yeah. I'm not talking the ones like us that will, will buy everything that will, we have a favorite. But there's a lot of you know kids out there or young adults that will buy whatever system their friends are getting, regardless of the exclusives, because all they're going to play is the Call of Duties, the FIFAs, the Maddens, whatever. And they just want to play with their friends. So mm-hmm. they don't really care whichever one they get as long as they can do that with their friends. Yeah, I mean, and like like... JP says Final Fantasy Seven. Uh, mine is Grand Theft Auto, and my my wife wants Grand Theft Auto Online. That's they're mm-hmm. doing that. So, um, not a new oh, game, unfortunately. Can, can we can we talk about that for a second? That is the funniest way to open up the future of gaming by showing showcasing a 360 slash PS3 game is coming to your next generation platform. Like yes, that is, is hilarious. It's amazing. It's amazing. And my wife is also disappointed because she wanted, you know, the the Vice City rumor, like mm-hmm. Grand Theft Auto Six and all that stuff. And let's um, just get Grand Theft Auto to the Switch. I why mean, not? It could run it easily. There's no reason exactly. why it couldn't. Grand Theft Auto Five ran on the PS3 and the 360. It could run on the Switch. Imagine if they did Grand Theft Auto Online on the Switch and they used the. Um, the model from Minecraft where you could play with people from other consoles, so we're using our Switch to play with PS5 players. Um, Imagine Grand Theft Auto in the Mushroom Kingdom. (laughs) (laughs) Mario Kart's driving around and hitting people. (laughs) That's crossover ever with Rockstar and uh, Nintendo. Mario has to uh, go get the Mafia boss of uh, Bowser. Well, you know, Mario was supposed to use a gun, right? So, why not? Oh, he gets power-ups. He doesn't need guns. No, yeah. but I mean, say in the original documentation, Mario was originally supposed to use a gun. So oh, really? They could bring, yeah, yeah. They could bring that back. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, Mario and Rabbids. Mario and Rabbids, he had a gun. They could use those guns. Who, hmm. Mario? That's true. Yeah. You hear that, <laughs> Nintendo? <laughs> JP has ideas. Make him an ambassador. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so we should talk about Xenoblade, because it's been a, the second week of gaming for it. And yeah, it's been a long time that I've really just been, you know, diving into a game hardcore. So I've been you know, happy to see that that Poland login at the top of my switch and seeing you in Xenoblade. That's made me happy every time. I oh, yeah. I, I don't even <laughs> play Rocket League. I literally like go to my home screen. Actually, 
I don't even turn off the uh, the game. Like I just you know I save it and then I just go into sleep mode. I don't think I've actually shut down the game except maybe once to try out like our dollar game that we'll get to. But I look at the Rocket League icon and I was like, I see you there, buddy, but I just can't get to you right now. <laughs> Good man. Yeah. Priorities. That's funny. So we should probably, so Barry, so we should always, uh, I don't like to do spoilers because I think I'm so, so the this back. But should I lay the, the wallpaper? Ground. Yes, wallpaper. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Nice. All right. Um, so, Xenoblade Chronicles is an open-world action RPG game developed by Monolith Soft and published by Nintendo, originally for the Wii, uh, released in Japan in 2010, and then later in 2011 in PAL and 2012 in North America. Um, as part of that whole Operation Rainfall initiative to get the... There's three uh, massive open-world role-playing games that were released around the same time, and it was a, a whole series of things that were, um, where fans really wanted to get them in the U.S., so they started an initiative. Um, there was a new 3DS version released in 2015, um, and... A, they call it a remake for the Nintendo Switch. Really, it's a definitive edition for the Nintendo Switch, which was, which was released in May um, 2020. It is part of a sub-series from the Xeno Meta series, although there's no direct narrative connections that exist in this game <laughs> to previous Xeno games. Um, it incorporates aesthetic narrative elements, uh, both fantasy and sci-fi. Um, I haven't played the prologue yet, so there might be a a connection there. I haven't played that part yet. Um, it's an epilogue, not a prologue. Okay, the epilogue, my bad. Um, I don't know if that connects to any previous Xeno games before Xenoblade Chronicles um, in the epilogue. But the game features navigation through an open world split into zones, side quests, lots and lots of side quests, uh, tied to a party member's affinity, which the affinity would be like your relationship with all the different characters. Um, and a real-time action-based battle system which incorporates the main character's abilities to see glimpses into the future. <laughs> I won't go into the story, since there's also a story. Um, and then let's see if there's anything specific on um, the actual re-release here. Because this re-release for the Nintendo Switch is the best release. The definitive. <laughs> Um, so it was announced, the remake for the Definitive Edition that we're covering on, that we've been playing for a couple weeks, is announced in September of 2019, uh, during a Nintendo Direct presentation, which we never get anymore. Um, in addition <laughs> to enhanced visuals, updated controls, remastered music, and other quality of life improvements, Definitive Edition also includes the new epilogue, uh, scenario titled Future Connected, set one year after the main game's events, and it was released worldwide on 29 May. 2020. Um, so let's go ahead and let Barry talk about the game, and then we'll then JP and I will talk about how far we have gotten so far. I, I, well, I Barry should know you, where we are in the game. Yeah, I was going to say maybe you should go first, and I'll go last. And okay, I'll go first. Let go JP first. go first. So I have my uh, stats up. So I'm at level 40. I'm in chapter eight on my way to Prison Island. Right now, instead of doing the straight shot, I'm kind of just going through the different uh, warps to the uh, little segments of the, uh, you know, the, the island. I have 36 hours and 13 minutes in the game right now. So 
I think last week I was at chapter six or chapter five, I forget, maybe even chapter four. But this whole week was pretty much, I would call it side quest week. I did so many side quests because when you get to the, um, what are they called? Nopons? What are the little creatures for yep, creatures nopons. called? The nopons. I call them nopons. You go to their uh, <laughs> treehouse extravaganza. I mean, that thing was huge. Um, I just did literally every single side quest I possibly could do. Um, and that's pretty much how I've been playing this game. That's how I level up so much. You know, I've, I'm uh, I'm doing everything that I possibly can find. I'm taking my time. I'm also trying to fill up the collectibles logbook where you find different plants and mystery items and bugs and whatnot. So you can fill up your scrapbook of that. Then also, um, you know, hopefully you've been playing this game for listening, but uh, Sector 6 you can help to rebuild. So I've been doing those side quests as well. Um, so it's just, you know, it's, I feel like I'm playing the game, but not necessarily the main story. But what's funny is when I do the main story, I mean, it's just, it's so much fun. It literally plays out like a really fun anime that you just enjoy watching. Great cutscenes, good action sequences. Um, and I really like all the characters. I mean, everyone they're introducing, you know, they they all serve a purpose. They all... I, there's nobody I dislike in my group, which is really nice. Like, there's no character that I find annoying. Um, even uh, Riki, the newest one. Uh, actually, I guess technically, yeah, I guess he was the newest one that I have so far. You know, I I find them all fun. I find the story just fun, <laughs> good. I don't, I don't even know a better word to describe it, but I'm just having a blast. I mean, I'm really just loving running around, visiting the different uh, sections of the Bionis, and especially now that I'm heading towards the top of the head, it's just crazy in terms of the scenery when you're overlooking from a cliff, just like the landscape. I mean, it's just, to me, it's just amazing. And I'm, I'm playing it handheld, and it, it looks gorgeous. So that's where I am right now. I haven't gotten to Prison Island yet, but I can see it, and I'll probably get there after the playcast today. Did, did you do the, um, the, the, the trials with Melia and the, the temple? Or so I've been doing those very little when I get to the um, to like the red transporter. Um, I haven't seen no, one no, 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 the, no. There's official, the yeah. There's official trials that she has to go through. Like to, first, you get there and you're like, oh, we're gonna do the prison island, but you have to do something else first before you go to prison. Yeah. Island. No. Oh, so I a whole chapter, a whole chapter's worth of things, JP. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm still, I'm still like on the way, like through the portals to just attempt to get to prison island have you so, gone to alchemoth yet the capital no oh, oh. Yeah, you have, you have what what yeah, chapter are you in chapter eight then yeah the beginning of chapter eight okay so yeah chapter eight is when you're doing that whole area chapter nine is almost like the whole mm-hmm. trials area and both of those took me many many hours by the way um yeah, without all the side tracks that you're doing um they're they're pretty. If you're going for all the side quests, you got you got a little bit of a task in front of you. Um, and I'm, then I'm, I'm impressed that I'm actually I have zero side quests in my logbook right now. I had one before I headed off to uh, Aerith C. Um, I think that's how you pronounce it. But there was one where I just had to beat this creature that was level I want to say like 37, and I was 40. But it was always hanging around this huge T Rex that was like level 98. And whenever I went to attack it, the T-Rex kind of just jumped into the battle, too. So it took me a while where I had to kind of, like, get the attention of the creature and have him chase me far enough in the opposite direction so the T-Rex wouldn't turn around. And then I finally beat him. And for whatever reason, I was having such a hard time beating him. Um, 
but I died halfway through fighting him. I got revived, thank God, and then I finished it. And all of a sudden, my my log, my uh, side quest logbook is just empty, and I'm just like, oh, I can keep going with the story now. <laughs> when you when you get to Alchemoth, you'll get a whole bunch of new side quests. Oh yeah, a million. So I like so yeah, I so yeah, JP. So where I got in the game, <laughs> um, so I just finished and saved before chapter ten. I finished Prison Island. Um, so I'm a hundred percent like I consider that and I was talking with Barry in a separate one, so I didn't spoil anything for JP. I consider that like the climax of the first major section or the, the next, not the first, the next major section, because as you play through the game, Shulk gets visions. So Shulk's getting this whole vision of prison Island, like where JP's at right now. So like I played through that entire vision set now. Which mm. I feel like was like a, like a movie. Like I play through the whole entire movie now, and now I got another movie to do because Barry said I'm just like barely halfway done. <laughs> I'm like, well, there's, yes. there's 17 chapters, but to be, uh, to be honest with you, like some of the chapters, like I think, I think it's like 15, 16, and maybe even 14. Like they go real, especially 15 and 16 are like stupid fast chapters. Are like they? they're more movies than chapters. Okay. Um, but 17, the final one, is, is significantly larger. Yeah. So there, will, not every chapter is, you know, even. I will say that for one of my favorite cutscenes so far, um, it's always when Shulk is fighting, but it's the Telethia, right? Mm-hmm. Those, like, winged creatures. Yep. And when he meets the, uh, I forget his name because he disappeared before uh, Rain could meet him. Oh, but when he's like, I'm going to fight, and he, he foresees what they're going to do, but they can read minds, so they counter-attack. And I'm just watching this, I'm like, this is exactly like what I want in an anime. Like this is just perfect, and I mean, I it's so fun watching it. There's definitely a lot of cutscenes. I mean, you oh, know, you're, you have to and you're about to really get to know the silver-haired character that you're talking about because okay, there's a good. lot of depth to the story, a lot of uh, things in the background that they allude to, um, and I don't even know yet because I'm not there. I was telling Barry some of my predictions, and he's enjoying just seeing the the blind stabs <laughs> I'm taking on the narrative. I'm like, oh, this is going to do this or that. And um, I'm pretty good with my, with, at least with my first um, my first assessments, my first predictions, I was I was really good. At the end of the first climax, you, f- you find out a lot. It's great. Right. So, so here's my two questions for you for game mechanics, because I haven't actually tried one. Can you pause during cutscenes? Um, on the Switch, you can just go to the menu the home screen <laughs> you can yeah. just go to the home screen I mean, but i mean like i've been too afraid to press buttons because i don't want to miss anything and yeah. sometimes you know there's a you know the thing that comes up on the like another game so it'll, it'll say like skip and you, you have to hold a button i think you have to hold a button to skip a cutscene. yeah um but, I'm but, not. I mean, I don't want to skip, but, but like even when you're fighting a battle i can't even pause mm-hmm no, no you, battles like, you can't pause either. Yeah, you can't pause during battles unless you go to the home screen again. So, like the switch, you can just pause the state right. of the entire game. But yeah, the there's no. I know that I have a family that likes to interrupt me while I'm playing. <laughs> yeah, that's well, that's why you have a Nintendo Switch, and that's a great benefit of the Switch is you just press the home button and you. It's true. It's true. Yeah, yeah you're good. <laughs> so the way I'm playing is a little bit different than how JP's playing, um, and a little bit different than how Barry played his newest playthrough. Um, mm. Barry seems like Barry went a little more straightforward since he's played the game. JP's doing all of the things. Oh, I did a lot of side quests. The JP's doing like all of the things, <laughs> and whereas I'm going through 
and I kind of just let the game unfold in front of me. Like I'll, I'll as soon as I see all the exclamations, I go to all the exclamations. Um, mm-hmm. I then look on the map because they taught me last week how to travel between <laughs> landmarker yeah. points. Um, I which, do it so much. Which greatly expedited what I can do. It was great because I was like, damn, there's no way I'm ever going back to um, Colony 9. or <laughs> like, I'm never doing that again because it's so long of a travel. But then you just click a button and you're there um, mm-hmm. with minimal loading. But, um, but I just look at the exclamation points. I do all of those things because it gets you XP. Um, and then once I look around, then I go to like the open world area, fight some enemies as I'm continuing. I don't necessarily go to the yellow path yet. And then I just, I fight all the enemies. I do everything that I see in that immediate vicinity. And about that, that's like an hour or so. And then I'm like, all right, I've leveled up like four levels or something at that point, And let me continue. And so I don't go and like change the time and try to manipulate to find every exclamation point. I kind of do what's available. If I miss something, I'm okay with that. Um, like when it comes to a side quest, cause there's like 8 billion side quests. I'm, I'm okay missing a couple. Um, and then I just continue on on the yellow line and I go to the next part. So far I've always been at least two levels ahead of any boss that I come to. So mm-hmm. it's, it's been working pretty well and I've still naturally, um, the other thing that I've done is I am a, I have a habit of picking characters like a big sword wielder, a shulk, and a big tank, you know, Ryan, and then I'll have like a magic user. Um, and I have a big habit of just keeping those three the entire game. Like, that's what I'll do. Now with this game, though, chapter by chapter, I've been switching it up because of the affinity system, because you have to have relationships, and it helps everything, and you get bonuses. So what I've been doing is, like, my initial one that I was working with at the beginning of this week was Shulk with his Monado, Ryan, which is your tank with all the big hits, and then we had Dunbon, um, who is the old-school swordsman. And I was just, like, tanking and destroying all the enemies. And then I was like, okay, so I needed a little bit of an affinity for other stuff. We got our little our little um, Popon, or whatever his name is, <laughs> like the crazy guy, Ricky, or whatever. And mm-hmm. so I was like, I need to play as him because he looks ridiculous. Um, he's also a bigger tank, which means can take damage. He's a bigger tank than Ryan is. So I was like, let me throw him on. And then I threw, what is the female with the rifle? What's her name? Uh, Charla is the name. Charla? Charla. Charla is the killer. Yeah, so so I I threw Charla in there. And I'm like, so in case Ricky takes a lot of damage or something, we got Charla as the healer. So I started working on them. And I I played, and I always try to keep Shulk as my main party. um, Just because. And now he's my main character. So I was playing through, I played through like a whole chapter like that. And then I went to the next chapter and I'm like, all right, let me take on, was it Melia? Mm-hmm. So, like during chapter nine, when it wasn't when I was able to have the whole party come together, I used her, and I used her as my main character because when you you play first, you get a, a section where you get to play only as her, and mm-hmm. I was like, ooh, she has these like spells you can cast which give yourself buffs, and then you do the staff attack and it attacks with that element, and like the depth of her play mechanics is probably more fun to me than the Monado, than the main Monado play mechanics that they have. The only issue is, 
If you go against an enemy that has that telethia thing, you know, that cutscene that you like, JP, where mm-hmm. you have to do the, you have to slice them in order to be able to attack them because they got that aura around them. You can't yep. do that if you're not controlling Shulk because, like, I haven't figured out how to work the AI to, to make them do that for me uh, mm-hmm. when I'm playing as another character. So, um, so I had Shulk there and... Like, essentially, you almost got to run from the battle and switch party members. Um, fortunately, before a big boss battle, um, when, after a cutscene, sometimes they'll let you adjust your party beforehand. So, like, mm-hmm. before the epic battle at the end of Chapter 9, the boss battle, I switched characters, so I had Shulk as my main. Because I wanted to make sure, because if I got to do something crazy, like slice some mechons so that way everybody can attack them or whatever, I had to be able to be Shulk for that control mm-hmm. even though i enjoy playing as the as our magician as our mage a lot more um and so i i think i still used i don't know if i i, I used our healer i used charla as my third in that in that character set which is interesting like i'm just playing around with it and i never do that with games that just shows you how much fun i'm having with xenoblade chronicles because i'm not just sticking with my main three um I'm so bad at this, Barry, that with Final <laughs> Fantasy VI, Final Fantasy III, I played with my three mains, and I didn't know at the end of the game, it splits into three parties of four, or I played with my yeah. four mains. It splits into three parties of four, and your characters don't latently level up with you on nope. the main Super Nintendo one. So I was like level 100 with my four characters, and everybody else was garbage. Well, I was yep. like, well, I'm done now, and I stopped playing, and this was, like, that's how bad I am setting my ways, and Xenoblade has broken me of this. It's weird. Well, I, I'm also setting those type of ways, so I understand that. Yeah, and I don't but, know, JP, are you playing with just a certain set, or are you messing with the characters like I am? So I do keep changing it. I still, I don't know if I necessarily have a good strategy to my fighting. I kind of just, um, I'll let Shulk, you know, build up uh, for his Monado, but a lot of times I just press every single attack I have in a row, and then I Wait, run you don't around. Do positionals? What? You don't do the positionals with Shulk? Positionals? Yeah, so two of his <laughs> attacks, you do well, you do extra effects if you do it from the flank or the side yeah. of the enemy. Oh, a yeah. little exclamation mark appears yeah. in back, you know, back I did. I Honestly, Barry, I didn't know that was called positionals, but yeah, I do the exclamation Yeah, I do that when I can. Like, I'll try and sneak up on an enemy, and then if they're not chasing me and kind of circling with me, I'll, I'll use those attacks. Um, but right now I'm using Ricky, uh, Shulk, and I think Rain. Ryan, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Ryan. Um, for the most part, I've had Dunban, uh, Ryan, and, and Shulk as my party. I, I take Charla sometimes when I need to reach a bird that is just not flying near the land. The yeah. only problem is you can't switch back. So, um, like, in the battle, you can't switch, so I'm stuck with her. And, like, I only I feel like I only have, like, two attacks with her. So... I'm kind of relying on my other members to really damage up the uh, enemy, but um, it's normally Shulk and Ryan have been with me since the beginning, and then it just kind of varies on who I want to make as my third. So um, well, I would compare um, using, is, is it Melia, right? Is the okay. Melia to Aerith in Final Fantasy VII Remake, how Aerith controls when you play as her and shooting mm-hmm. all the attacks like it's the same satisfaction and surprise because the original mm-hmm. Aerith and final fantasy 7 i didn't really like playing as her with the turn base uh-huh. and the new action based 
control scheme that we will say now steals from Xenoblade Chronicles. Um, <laughs> it's it plays a lot like Melia's, and but Melia's it's a different battle system. It's not as like constant. But like I do the same thing, JP, where I'm selecting all my attacks. Um, mm-hmm. When I get to a chain attack, I'm using the different statuses and states. So right. there's different colored attacks. And so if you do a pink attack, it'll knock the guy into the air, like with Shulk, for example. And then you could mm-hmm. do a green attack with Ryan that will then daze the guy. And then you finish him off with like Dunband <laughs> and and then it like if you do it correctly or as your affinity grows, you can do another attack if you time the the time attack B button at the right time, you do another attack mm-hmm. and then another attack and then another like and some of that is RNG generated cuz sometimes if it doesn't hit correctly, that no, that button won't come up. Um but I do really like the whole chain attacks, and some enemies can only be initially damaged and with the chain attack so you can stun them, which is mm-hmm. super complex. And it's it's complex to talk about, but it unfolds naturally as you play. It's really yeah. weird. See, what, you were, what you were talking about there, it's uh, break, topple, days is the three-point way. <laughs> right. Rock, rock paper, topple. scissors. <laughs> <clears throat> well, see, what's interesting about that, that is, a, that is another mechanic that is really kind of exclusive to the Xenoblade series, is that style. In addition to just dealing damage, you could also have these effects where the enemy is now you know, stuck. Like, if they're dazed and they're toppled, um, they're, they're not doing anything. Nope. But sometimes certain enemies will have spikes during those phases, like natural self-defense. Um, mm-hmm. So you have to worry, you know, oh my god, will this happen? And what's cool is they actually, when you when you guys finally finish this and you say, hey, I want to give Xenoblade 2 and you can go into that, they actually take it a step further with that system where they still have break and topple, but instead of daze, the next one in the chain is launch, where you actually will launch the enemy in the air and they'll spin for a while. <laughs> and you oh, can wow. finish it with a fourth one called smash, where you smash them into the ground. And not only will that deal damage, but they also like drop items and stuff for you to pick up uh, mm-hmm. by doing Ridiculous. that. So it's really cool. And that's all, again, on top of doing all these other mechanics. Really? So, Barry, you finished the main story. Yes, I have I have finished the main story. I, I was going to do it on casual. I did it on normal. I did switch to casual once, which was the second phase of the final boss. Um, after enough times, I was like, you did know you what? Did you see a big difference? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Casual is definitely a big difference. And and actually, before that, one of the what, what's considered the hardest boss, or one of the hardest bosses in the game, um, which is in the final chapter as well, I did, after dying a lot, I'm like, I'm going to switch to to casual just to get through this and i went to switch to casual but i i and i'm like all right let's go for it and i had the worst party set up for that fight which was shulk ryan and charla so i had ryan set up as a complete tank just can just take everything and, and eat everything and i had charla with all the healing abilities so that she could outlast forever and meanwhile shulk i was doing damage but only physical and the boss had physical defense up so it took me like 25 minutes to whittle this boss down just by outlasting. And I'm like, wow, this is casual. And after I beat it, I'm like, well, let me switch back. And I realized I didn't save switching it to casual. I backed out <laughs> without saving. So I'm like, okay, well, I beat it on normal. Just uh, you know, brute forced it through. <laughs> um, so um, yeah. Barry, it's interesting <laughs> that you said that because I swear 
I had the game in casual mode, and I was like, man, I feel like a turd. You guys are playing in normal. I'm playing in casual. I never saved it, so I've been playing in normal <laughs> yeah. the whole time. <laughs> yeah, because it said because yeah. it gave me the option to go to expert mode, and I'm like, wait. <laughs> well, I know that I'm doing normal because a lot of times I die, and it's like, are the enemies too tough? Do you want to switch to casual? I'm like, no, get off my screen. I'm doing this. <laughs> get I out mean, for of the most here. part, aside from like the side quest bosses. The game, to me, is very easy if you're doing side quests and you're fighting, you know, just as you're running along. Like, I, I've i never really felt that with, like, the main story I've been in any danger. And I think that's just because I'm a good, like, four or five levels above what I normally should be. And that's just by doing the side quest. It's not by actively grinding. Um, but, yeah, I what I want to ask you, Barry, so you finished the, the main story. What was your level that you finished at and what was your time? Um... I'm trying to think. I think I was in the I was in the seventies when I finished it. Um, maybe like seventy six, seventy seven. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I finished it in like sixty something hours. Um, I, of course, I I still explored all the maps because um, mm-hmm. there were things I didn't remember and things I did. Um, I still you know found all the landmarks I, I remembered and explored to try to find them all. I did all the quests I came across for the mm-hmm. most part. Um, I, I did farm a little bit for the talent books, trying to mm-hmm. trying to upgrade some of my talent books up. Um, but for the most part, um, there is also a part I forgot about too. There is a part of, not necessarily no return, but there is a part where certain zones become inaccessible later on and mm-hmm. I don't think they ever become accessible again. So it's there. there's definitely missable stuff if you... If you um, don't do they, pay attention, do they give you a percentage of completion when you finish? I didn't. I didn't see one now. So you don't actually know if you've done all the side quests or not. No, I didn't. I didn't do like the collectibles. Like I did one zones where I just put all the things in, and then I stopped. And and Michelle was looking at me like, "You're not going to do the rest." I'm like, "Yeah, it doesn't matter." <laughs> like I'm already, <laughs> I'm already the, end of the game. It doesn't matter. I, I did it. The Everything first time. matters. Um, but I the reason the reason and and there is a post game. Like, after you beat it, you can go back in, and there's, you know, like I said, I beat it, like, in the 70s. Um, but there's, like, like you mentioned, like, the, the T-Rex, it's 98, and there's, like, some 95s, and there's 120 super boss, um, at least one of them. Um, those are all extra stuff, so you can go back and grind and, and, and play the game after you beat it. But I didn't do that because I really wanted to get into Future Connected, which yeah. is the new epilogue. And, and that was the, one of the main reasons I replayed the game is because I wanted to have a fresh perspective going into Future Connected. Um, which I did. You're gone. Um, one, what is the level cap in the game? 99. So you said 120, though? There are bosses that are higher than 99, and you have to use real skill to beat them, yeah. Xenoblade 2 is the same way. Oh, and those then, jerks. And then 2 is, did you finish Future Connected already? Yes. yes. And was it worth it? Um, I would say if you have played Xenoblade and you just want to buy it for Future Connected, if you want to play more in the Xenoblade world, yes. I think I, think I finished it at 16 hours doing everything, and I did okay. everything. I beat the... like You start off at level 60, the, the highest level boss is 80. I finished it at 79. Okay. But you could finish it before... Like, like I went to the final boss after that, and the final boss was a joke, because I was like so high up. You could probably finish it at 74, 75. Um, it's, it's two, two zones, but really it's one zone, but it's, it's a beyond a shoulder, which was cut from the game. Mm-hmm. There's a lot there. It, it almost, you know, to be honest, it, it kind of felt like a Mario world. 
um, just running around and like finding these new places and exploring mm-hmm. and, and find like, Oh, there's a ledge up there. I got to find my way up it. And you find your way up and you feel accomplished. Like, yeah, I know how to get around here now. Uh-huh. Um, so, so it became like a play box or, you know, like, I just really enjoyed that aspect. Um, the storyline wise, it's, it's a uh, Amelia, definitely Amelia driven story. They've already stated that. So, um, it is more of a closure to some of her threads that does not get resolved. Is it necessary? No. Um, parts of the story do kind of feel like fan fiction, um, mm-hmm. which is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, you get two new characters in your party. It's Shulk and, and Melia, but you get two new characters, um, which are Ricky, two of Ricky's kids. And mm-hmm. they, one of them is Ryan, and one of them is Sharla. Like exactly, like different named moves, but all the moves are the same. Uh-huh. So you, it's pretty much. And they even comment like, "Wow, fighting with you is like fighting with Ryan and Sharla." Um, there is some really interesting, uh, you know, quests that like you, like you have to do like those quest chains, and mm-hmm. uh, instead of heart to hearts, because there's no affinities, instead of heart to hearts, there's quiet moments, and the quiet moments are all voiced. And that's really the, the, the pinnacle. There's some really great storytelling there and some real great character moments. And as a character piece, it's great. Like, the final boss is like nothing. Like a nobody mm-hmm. final boss. But the, the character uh, development is amazing. Also, instead of doing the chain attacks, there's this new system called the Nopon Pond Specters. Oh, God. Ricky, do the, it all. <laughs> and the Nopon Specters are a group of 12 um, that are surveying the land and you have to find all 12 and do little quests to, to help them. And when they, you help them, they join your party. So by the end of it, you have a, a group of 12 no ponds following behind you and there's a chain and it's hilarious and awesome. awesome. Um, they do not Ricky, actively Ricky. attack in battle, but, um, when you do the chain attack, you can choose to have them do an all out attack, uh, an all out heal or an all-out um, debuff where you mm-hmm. date the enemies and, and put, like, attack down. And occasionally, oh. RNG, you can do a second one of them, and they are powerful. And they're, and they're based on how many you have. So, like, if you do the all-out attack and you have, like, five, only five attack, but if you have all 12, all 12 attack. Um, so it's, it's really cool, and you see them in battle, and they're, like, getting all heated up, and, you know, they have their little flags, depending on what color, because it's, like, red attack, yellow debuff, and blue heal. Um, mm-hmm. And they're they're all really cute, and they have their own little story at the end of it that that that, that culminates. Um, they're they're seeking seeking uh, something, but I, I won't spoil what it is. But it's it's a nice little charming thing that works for mm-hmm. this standalone. It's kind of what they did with Torna. They changed the battle system a little bit. Uh, Shulk plays exactly as is. Melia plays exactly as is. So if you're already used to those characters, you're good to go. Um, and it's it is. I'm gonna say. I was overall pleasantly happy with it, but at the same time disappointed. And I think I was disappointed because of the title. It's called Future Connected. Yeah. And I was really want, and they even stated like in that art book, like, oh, you know, pay attention. This is the future of the series is going to depend on this. And there's going to be hints there. And like, I really was like, oh, please have connections to Xenoblade 2 and, or Xenoblade X. Like have some connections here because those games already exist, so it's not like forethought. It's oh, let's let's kind of include those in, and and not to spoil anything, but there is no connection to Xenoblade Two or X, and that to me, like I was waiting at the end. I was like, is there oh my maybe god, maybe like some subtle connections to Xenoblade Three that they that we don't know yet. 
that could very well be. But but I, I was like, please let like Rex show up, like Rex and Pyro. Like, oh my god, I would I would totally. Oh, that would be cool. Be so happy. Mm-hmm. But no, that doesn't that doesn't happen. And I, I mean, like I did that in Xenoblade Two. It's like, come on, like them come. But no, there, there is no none of that. But is it worth it? Um, I wouldn't say necessarily unless you really want to play more in this world to get it just for the future connected. Um, if you never played Xenoblade before, it's a hundred percent worth doing. Um, especially after you beat, you know, Xenoblade Chronicles, you're like, Oh, that's great. I want to see what happens next. It takes place a year later. Um, Mm -hmm. well worth playing, um, and enjoying for sure. Okay, cool. It's substantial though. Like I said, I took 16 hours. Like that's more than some full retail games alone. Well, for sure. Like that's awesome. So, um, so instead of a recommendation, since we all love the game, JP, are you going to continue to play Xenoblade? <laughs> I'm hoping we finish this podcast soon so I can go back and play it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, man, I want to go back and play. Barry has me excited. The problem that we have is now that we've done this as our main game, now we have other games to play. And I'm like, I'm still going to be playing Xenoblade no. like hardcore. And no. I'm trying um, not to rush it. I, I will. I will carry on the discussion for every game to allow you to play. Xenoblade cause <laughs> well, so like <laughs> that's gonna be the goal. Is that like we have a couple games that were provided to us from developers that are pretty in, intensive. We're gonna wait until we both finish Xenoblade, and like JP and I are, you know, we're still within a chapter of each other, so it'll be around the same week. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're gonna play stuff like I know we all decided. Uh, next week's game is Clubhouse Games, right? So yep. we're gonna play that. We're gonna have fun with it. It's mini games. Like we're gonna hopefully we're able to play it on together i heard that the matchmaking is random um so we'll figure it out we'll see Mm -hmm. um but that's a good one just because jp's been excited about clubhouse games we can at least pull them away for at least a a session um but it's i have to go buy it by the way (laughs) like i haven't (laughs) bought it yet so i'm actually gonna go out and into the covid world and and buy a copy i'm gonna try to hit up walmart since i think it's ten dollars cheaper at walmart um and gonna go get that but um i mean i'm absolutely gonna be continuing to play my wife was actually giving me crap like why aren't you finishing final fantasy 7 and i'm like you're on the tv xenoblade i can sit next to you while you're on the tv and continue to play so Mm -hmm. that's why i love um the nintendo switch is that like i can literally sit here and as long as it's not a downloaded game where I'm playing on my main account and my wife wants to play on the main account on Animal Crossing, um, we're good. The problem is is that now my wife is so far into Animal Crossing with so many different accounts on so many different islands with the multiple switches um, that even though Nintendo now has allowed one transfer of accounts for Animal Crossing, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter because all her accounts are taken up. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I'm like uh so basically we just have to juggle so if I want to play like a new game that we download to my main account for US game I have to like tell my wife all right so make sure you save animal crossing otherwise it kicks her out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A, a card only ga- a card game that has no um and when I say card I mean like physical game that has no do- online version we can do both. So there's a benefit to that. But I'll absolutely be playing it. Um, I'm going to enjoy playing some Clubhouse games. Hopefully my wife will play with me, too, as we can do some couch co-op. That's the goal. I'm playing um, tonight with Shanna. So um, any final thoughts? I know we didn't do a poll this week on Xeno. 
Um, we had the poll last week that we talked about. Is there any final thoughts on Zeno before we move on to the releases? I'll let you go first, JP. I mean, I love Play this. That's so, my final thoughts. <laughs> I will say, as someone with limited time, yeah. um, if we if we hadn't said we would play this for the playcast, I honestly probably like 99.9% believe I would not have played this game. And Me too, me too. And, and what I'm learning is that uh, I'm missing out on some of like what's becoming my favorite games of all time. Yes. Like, and so I would say, even if you don't have infinite amount of time and you don't play a lot of games to begin with, make this one of the games that you just invest in because it's absolutely well worth all the hours that you're going to spend in it. It's a great story, great characters, just great gameplay overall. Um, and I always say, like, you know, if I wasn't collecting everything, like, this would be the game that I bought and I'd be happy with for the next couple months. Um, so I would just highly recommend everybody try it out. I absolutely want to go into Xenoblade 2 and Torna um, at some point, probably not right away. I think I've been doing too many back-to-back huge games, and I, I yeah. want to enjoy some of the smaller ones. But um, definitely do yourself a favor and pick up uh, Xenoblade Chronicles. And there's a good chance it's not going to go on sale hey, for a while. Hey, JP, you know what I just heard? We gave Barry yeah. a challenge. Barry needs to convince us to jump into Xeno 2 now. So, like, so <laughs> like Barry, think... you need to break down us to get us to, to adventure over to Xeno 2, like, in the future for a playcast. If you tell me that this Xeno 2 will be the game that we only play for the next month, yeah, I'll probably do it. But, but if we, we're going to have other we games do for need... But you're right, JP. We need a palate cleanser for genres, a genre palate cleanser. Yeah, in between. I do. We do, um, and we need some action games. We got there's a million games out here with people that we know that develop games that we mm-hmm. need to we need to play. And I mean, there's games in my backlog. Like I, there's so many cool games on the Switch that. Um, but like Barry's gonna have to um, keep whittling us away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jeffrey, wow. what are your final thoughts? Um, I mean, my final thoughts are I'm not surprised that I love it as much as I do because I remember on the Wii I played just the prologue, the very beginning part, mm-hmm. and I was blown away. I thought it was amazing. I thought that's what the whole game was going to be. And then it jumps back into, you know, the evolving story, the hooks. Like, it's an... It's an a whole experience that's how i'll put it it's an experience mm-hmm. and i know uh barry's loving that we're loving this game uh, <laughs> i know he is because he told me that <laughs> like he told me that when i was talking to him just about like my different types of thoughts because when i take a game and i start to analyze what's going to happen next i know i'm into it so mm-hmm. Highly recommend everybody that's on the fence about playing this, open it up in their collections, buying mm-hmm. it. Like, this is a, a must-play on the Switch. Um, it's got to, Unfortunately, it's got to go up into my uh, top games now, and i got to figure out what game is re- is falling off the top games mm-hmm. list. Ooh, what does it take the place of? Because I, I got some dingers up there. <laughs> um, however, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to playing more. I'm like... JP, so we got to get through all what's available and what's for sale, so we can we can move on. Mm-hmm. My wife is well, is dancing next to me. A limited run package just showed up. <laughs> but yeah, I I echo your sentiments. I for me, I've been a fan since the very beginning. I was part of Operation Rainfall. I had Monado pre-ordered on Amazon. I was you know yelling at Nintendo, and I'm still yelling at Nintendo. Um, 
it's one of those things where so few people I felt gave the game a chance back on the Wii. And so many people looked at me funny when I, I told them it was my game of the generation. And I was like, have you played this? Like, you need to play this game. Yeah. And I, I remember when when uh, X was first, Xenoblade X was first revealed just as X, I went crazy and other people were like, what are you looking like for? And, and when they, they did the Switch reveal and Xenoblade Chronicles 2 was shown off, I went crazy. And like, how, how do you put that above Breath of the Wild? And, and you know, on, on Nintendo Fuse, we did our game of the year for 2017, and I bit, put Breath of the Wild number one, I put Xenoblade 2 number two, and the only reason I did that is because Xenoblade 2 came out, like, December 2nd or December 3rd, and we recorded on, like, the 6th, so I only had, like, a few days to sit and grind and play that game, um, which was a little unfair, because after I got, like, past that, I'm like, oh my god, this, is, this, this beat Breath of the Wild, and still, in my opinion, Xenoblade 2 beats Breath of the Wild, um, for Game of the Year of 2017, and I know that's almost a blasphemous statement from for a lot of people, and especially a big Zelda fan as I am. Um, it's just that good of a series. So my biggest takeaway is this is this game is being reintroduced to a whole new audience, and it's getting experienced by people who missed it the first time around, and genuinely, like so many people have sent me messages on Twitter and stuff like, oh my god. Thank you for talking about this game. Thank you for recommending this game. This game is great. People have been, you know, messaging me. They oh, tell me about this game, and, I, and I've sold the game on other people. I'm like, you just need to play this game. And I hope that after people finish this and Future Connected, they they want to pick up two, and they want to pick up Torna, and they want to, you know, I'd say pick up X, but that involves a Wii U, so I understand that's going to be a little harder to do. But but two absolutely deserves the love, and and unfortunately, it's one of those things when you when you I was telling this to Jeffrey <clears throat> privately, but I'll say it, like the game has so many, like Xenoblade One has so many like like oh my god moments, so many like pull the wool over your eyes kind of moments mm-hmm. that they that happens even into the ending of the game and the actual ending has some like surprises and i was like wait what um and you don't you don't obviously see that connection to two yet but w- but if you play two especially shortly after playing one and it's one of those things where i actually went back and watched some cutscenes from two um, just because it's been a couple years, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like the, this connection, it's so good, and it's so well done, and it's just something that should be experienced. And I hope people go on to two and Torna because those those games I felt got tremendously overshadowed by mm-hmm. Breath of the Wild and by Mario Odyssey, and we're not in any like best of 2017. They did get snuffed in the Game Awards. The music, like you were talking about the music last time, how you love Gar Plane's music and mm-hmm. and how it's beautiful, like. I was listening to the soundtrack again. It's gorgeous. And then I put on the Xeno 2 soundtrack and I'm like, it's better. <laughs> like, <laughs> like Soundtrack to me is, is far better. And I love Xeno 1 soundtrack. And it, it's just that powerful. I bought like the Japanese soundtrack for, for Xeno 2. Cause I'm like, mm-hmm. I have to own this physically. This is just too good. And like watching some of the scenes, um, back and forth, um, just cause I was, I was like showing Michelle and I was like, Oh yeah, here's some little, little tidbits and stuff like the Xeno 1's, scenes were really cool and then Xeno 2 is like the soundtrack in the background I'm like oh just the emotion there's so much emotion in both of these games too like that is something like like where Jeff just finished there, there was a very emotional scene that he just oh witnessed my God. and, oh my and God. it's there's so many so many of those moments in this game where it's just emotional scene after emotional scene and everything has weight it's like you feel for the characters 
like you you're like oh wow it's not like ha huh, yeah it's interesting like it's like, oh my god no seriously like i feel what they're going through um you know it's just it's you're, just really you're not wrong <laughs> <laughs> like like you said like the characters are more than just archetypes they are their personalities and it shows the heart to hearts are are so well done and and just the the interactions in, in cutscenes and how everyone reacts to certain things and how when one character gets down another one would cheer them up and you know there's never any like emo like oh well woe is me like even even at the beginning when <clears throat> you know uh something happens to one of the main characters and it sets off it's a catalyst so to speak for the whole adventure you know shulk just doesn't sit there and go woe is me i'm gonna go sit in the corner and cry he's like no let's go get revenge let's go let's go do this you know so and shulk doesn't sulk shulk does not sulk no <laughs> sulking shulk <laughs> the sulka showed <laughs> showed but, but I, I think this also because of the the notoriety i think this gives good hope for rex and pyra getting into uh smash now even more so Ooh. because now there's eyes on the xeno series let's hope man let's hope Wow. All right, well. So, yeah, the, so you, yeah. do you guys want to know what my wife was dancing about <laughs> since she came yeah. in and danced? So I opened it up. It was from Limited Run Games. I got the ADK um, Neo Geo Collector's Edition for the PS4. Nice. So oh, that's nice. that's what came in. It wasn't a Switch game, but it was the Neo Geo-style box with a little mini cartridge and a PS4 game with some cards. Oh, Pretty cool. Uh, very close. Not quite perfect to a Neo Geo um, original AES case, but pretty close. Really awesome. Smells new, too. Mmm. <laughs> love that new smell. Love that new smell. I believe there's a there's a package from Luma Run that shipped UPS transferred to USPS on the 8th. Uh, on the 9th, it was accepted at the post office. It's the 12th now. I'm hoping it arrives today, even though the post office is, you know, a two-minute walk from my house because it has real mist in it, and that's a game I just want to just play. I don't know what it is about mist. I think I've said this before, but, Maybe like... You just need to first. I know, I need JP's to, just going like, to have it, just to hone. <laughs> but this is what I'm going to open up. Like, I, I would want to make this, like, a playcast because... And I always talk about this, but I'm like, I never cared for Myst whatsoever growing up. And <laughs> even like a year ago, if you had said, oh, Myst would be coming to the Switch, I'd be like, okay, cool. Like, woohoo. And then when they they uh, revealed it, and I'm thinking like, I really want to play a Myst game. I don't know why. I just remember like the big CDs, like uh, big like the big box cases or the big cases for PS1 and then also like Riven. But I'm just like, I just really want to play a Myst game. And I'm so close now to being able to play it, and I have Xenoblade. Damn Xenoblade for being good. Good problem to have, JP. Good I know. problem to have. Yeah. But I think we should talk about our dollar challenge now. Uh oh. Uh oh. Dollar challenge. And everyone will be happy to know that this is the first time I did not pick a well-known physical release game that's like you know 120 percent off, so I could win. So we we told you, you not to do it. I don't I don't know. You didn't you didn't win last week. I think I beat you last week. Yeah, you beat him with sheer absurdity of the game. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well then, Barry, you can go first. All right, I'll go first. Yeah, JP got so, last place last week, so it's great. What? Yeah, well, you cheated last week yeah, too. Yeah, and he and he got last place for being disqualified. So, <laughs> oh my god. So so I went with uh, a different style game than the past few ones that I've I've gone with. I went with a game called Earthworms from Sanka. 
Oh. It's normally seven ninety nine. It was ninety five percent off. It came to thirty nine cents. Nice. And, and Earthworms is a point and click adventure um, in the school, like Maniac Mansion, the old Lucas Arts, you know, Monkey Island style. Um, and it it has a really cool art. You know, the, the the style of it is just I can't describe it. It's like old school western uh, kind of artistic because you know it's all pre-rendered backgrounds but it it just looks really cool um you start off you're a detective you you know someone comes to you into your office and hands you a picture of a girl who has been missing and he's wearing for whatever reason he's wearing like a tree outfit like a you know, hunter hiding in the woods and he leads you to his boat and you get in his boat and he takes you to his island where the girl was last seen and lived and then he just stands next to a tree for the entire game and you never really talk to him again and you're free to explore um the island he has a little restaurant there's little you know houses and and stuff and and the weird thing is that this island has giant earthworms on it like legit giant earthworms that are coming out of the ground and they almost look like tentacle monsters and you know, people have started cutting them up, and you're like, "What the? What is going on?" And it becomes a mystery as you try and find this girl. And uh, as the, the the more you go into it, the more like mystery uh, hinted at, like little notes you get. And it was one that I was like, "You know what? I, I'm really getting into it." And I did get stumped a couple times. Like some of the puzzles are really abstract, but I'm like, I, I feel compelled to finish this game, and I did. I, I I wound up going through, and there's three endings. I got the neutral and the bad, and then the, then I went back and got the bad ending. Um, I think I made one like crucial error that that cost me from the good ending because I was like, oh, to do this, I can do this, and I guess I have no choice. And then I, later on, I'm like, oh, I found another way to do it that I didn't, you know, like oh man, but it was too late. Mm-hmm. Um, What's in another fun little thing is that there's no autosave, so all loading screens pretty much say "please save manually," which I thought was pretty funny in a, in an age where there's so much autosave. But no, I I think this was a real cool callback. I think it was done by maybe one or two people, like really really uh, you know independent um, point and click adventure. Totally not a, a mobile auto runner. I know it's also on Steam, but uh, it worked really well on the Switch and was a fun little adventure and and i very much enjoyed it awesome nice so we'll save jp for the end since he, he that's got fine you're next week. i don't think i'm gonna win because <laughs> like the game i chose um is a crazy one um however it does have a huge following apparently online i chose ubermosh omega oh um, nice i think we reviewed that um Never so the game <laughs> is it was published by Cubite Interactive, uh, released in February twenty first of this year. It is the a it is apparently the apex of Walter Machado's cult classic series called Ubermash. The retro hardcore top down masterpiece was carefully crafted through five years of community feedback, carrying over four thousand sprites, tribal drums fused with guitars, and flawless gameplay. The players can choose a saint, tune it to fit their gameplay style, and try to survive a gun-filled pit where you cut bullets with swords, 
unleash havoc with psionic powers and evade the hells of projectiles, so like bullet hell style. Um, each character is a love letter to classic arcade games like Core, and is inspired with classic shoot 'em up gameplay or Aya that calls for a progressive combo score beater. So you get like a grade after every time you play. Um, a hard-boiled egg of the Brazilian underground game development scene, and it's a must-buy for the fi- finest-tasted arcade enthusiasts. Um, so this game is like an overload of pixel graphics. There's blood and guts. Every enemy you kill is like destroyed. It's a top-down, very small uh, character graphics. Um, every single character that I chose, there's like multiple characters you can choose from. Um, each one has a different type of attack. Um, like the sword one, I cannot figure out. I keep getting murked. Like, like I, I get the sword person and everybody comes and like swarms me and kills me in two seconds. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? You choose another one and it's like a bullet hell and you have bullets going everywhere. Um, you have another one where you have to tap the fire button to shoot. Um, fortunately with the Daemon X Machina... Uh, Joy-Cons that I have, you can set the um, auto button, you can put things on turbo, so I can kind of like have my thumb have a reprieve. Um, but there's this like triangle-like area you have to stay within, otherwise you get disqualified as you play. So like, it's like your zone, and the, and the zones are very small. The bullets come at you very fast. <laughs> there are stuff like you have to weave in and out of, and there is a time limit left that I've never gotten to the end of. So like you'll have like a minute or 90 seconds or something, and it has to go all the way down. I'm not sure what happens after the time goes down because I keep getting my butt killed. Um, I am, again, just like uh, the other week with Rolling Gunner, uh, I am getting old apparently and can't last as long in these classic games. Uh, hardcore arcade enthusiasts are gonna love this game though. And I paid nine cents for this sucker. Nine cents out of a $5 game. So, definitely worth the price. It's worth nine cents all day. I use my points. Like, nine points? Like, no question. Um, Is it for everybody? No. Anybody who doesn't like bullet hell, over the top, a running gun? It it reminds me a lot of Robotron and Berserk. Like, more Robotron, because you're in a small, confined area you get the whole heart pumping the music's pumping in you got crazy guitar riffs going super fun um i enjoyed it i don't know if i had as much of a connection as you did barry with your point and click um but i enjoyed it but i also was sidetracked by xenoblade so there is that but um yeah so definitely uber macho mega is a really cool game worth the nine cents i paid what about you jp what you got Okay, so I am excited for Burnout, which is coming out next Friday, and I like drifting a lot, so I'm always curious to see if there's a good drifting game on the Switch. I found one called Real Drift Racing by uh, Cool Small Games, which I believe, Barry, you may have even taken one of their games. Two of them, I believe. Yeah. Um, So this, I want to say, was $4.99 and then dropped to $0.99. So not a huge discount, but it was under a buck. it's okay. It's not a bad drifting game, but it's kind of standard. I, I wouldn't say it's anything special. Um, you can customize. You have tuning options. Um, there's, I'm reading just the description here, but you have 12 tracks with changing weather conditions. And when you're playing it, you know, it, it drifts, but 
I don't know. I I got very spoiled by the uh, burnout drifting because to me, burnout takedown and revenge have probably some of the best drifting I've ever seen in any racing game, and the speed is there too. Agreed. And this was more just um, okay. You're drifting around the corner and you're going like really wide out, like drifting to the point where like you're gonna hit the wall almost if you don't know what you're doing. Um, so while it was fun, it was it was good graphics. Nothing wrong with it. I didn't think it was anything special. So I would say it's a I would give it like a five out of ten if I had to rate it. Um, does it fill that void and scratch that itch uh, for a short amount of time? Um, but I would say burnout. You know, Paradise Remaster is probably going to do it for me, and then I'll just be set with my racing game for drifting. <laughs> um, so overall, ninety nine cents, not a bad purchase, not a bad game, uh, just not a great game. So it's it's just average. Interesting. Yeah. So. Um, so who are we going to go with for this week's game? we going for a point-and-click? we going for a top-down, bullet-hell, Robotron-style arcade shooter? Or are we going for a high-drift car racing game? Oh, we're not going for the drifting game, that's for sure. Not going for the drifting game. <laughs> I would say, you know, between both of yours, we may have our first tie. I mean, there's two different games, but two equally impressive games for under a dollar. Yeah. Like and... I'm unaware of that entire underground hardcore scene that loves that game too. That could just mm-hmm. be developer hype, maybe. But it's it sold me on it. Like I was like, man, and I mean, I'm not good at it at all, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't know how much I'm going to be playing it because I'm not good at it. But like, it was fun. Like, yeah. B- Barry got really invested in his though. So yeah, yeah, I, I really enjoy, I love into those old school point and clicks and. I figured something different than like an auto runner or the paper airplane game or anything like that. I'm like, you know, I'm going to do something, <laughs> shoot people something on a different. Ski lift. <laughs> and, and yeah, shoot people skiing. Uh, and I, I was, I was shocked at how into this game I got. Cause I, I only did this yesterday. Uh, like I picked up the game like last weekend, but I, I was going to Xenoblade. I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll go to it. And I beat it in a day, but I, I was pretty hooked. I was like, you know what? This is, this is better than I expected. And some of the dialogue is, is pretty funny. Um, there's some, some interesting little quirky things like there's a cabinet or a, a wardrobe at one point and it's like no i don't think it's going to take me to narnia so no point in examining it and <laughs> stuff like that like it, it was it was a little quippy with some of the uh, dialogues oh yeah i did forget one one aspect of this too um this guy ironically following xenoblade uh, the detective sees visions oh um, geez and so, like, when you go to an object, like, a vision will appear, and, like, you'll, you can click on it, it's like, what does this mean? And then later on, you find another object that connects with it, and you'll get the same vision. And it's like, what do these two have in common? And it's like, it's hints to certain things. Like, one of the visions will show, like, a bottle um, with, with, uh, of, with, like, something next to it, and it's like, it looks like a little jar. And you get that a couple places, and what it is, it's a hint to a solution where you need to take pills and combine with with a bottle to give to somebody to drug them. And it, it like you'll see that vision when you pick up the pills. You'll see that when you pick up the drink. You'll see that vision when you talk to the person you need to drug. And it's like, oh, kind of connect the dots of these things to kind of help you out. So I thought that was actually a really neat aspect to it as well. Mm-hmm. Super cool. Um yeah, so, I mean, if we're at a, as JP calls it, a tie, like, Barry gets to go first next week by default. Um, okay. Why do I go by default? Because you won this week, or the week prior. You get to go first by default next week. Um, I'll, I'll pass you. 
if you want. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll continue the dollar challenge. It's been fun. Um, still, like, just we're just going to go for stuff that's not physically released. That's about the only the only uh, goal. Um, so, unfortunately, JP, um, I have a work meeting coming up very shortly. So, we're not going to be able to go over this week's games. So we're going to have to, like, talk double week next week. So, let's not do... Maybe this week's games, but maybe we can just talk about what's coming out and then. If you can get that done in less than ten minutes, I literally have to go like now. Oh yeah, I have to go in like five. So you got five minutes, JP. I just took away five minutes off of you in that talk. (laughs) All right. Well, if you're listening, really quick, Wizard of Legend opens up for pre-order today at Limited Run Games. Thirty-day open pre-order, standard edition, thirty dollars only. Um, by the time you listen to this, Super Rare Games will have announced their next game, which will most likely go on sale next Thursday, and we'll know more details then. If you missed it, if you missed some pre-orders, CrossCode is getting a retail release in North America and Europe, along with a special uh, limited edition through Strictly Limited Games Partner Store. You can get a variant cover with a steel book, or you can get all that in a collector edition. Uh, then also, um, in terms of uh, Sean. Shantae and the Seven Sirens close for pre-orders this Sunday. So I let me run games, so don't miss that. In terms of games coming out this week, we've got Mortal Kombat 11 Aftermath Collection coming out on Tuesday. It is a physical, so it's a digital code in a case only, which stinks. Um, then on Thursday, <laughs> we have the Namcot Collection coming out in Japan and Asia, supporting English. It's got 10 or 11 uh, Namco Classic games. I know Splatterhouse is one of them, so it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. On Friday, we have Burnout Paradise Remastered, JP's Game of the Week. We also have <laughs> Island Fury coming out in Europe. It's going to come with an art book and stickers inside the case, uh, so that's pretty cool. You get uh, also Mega Party, a Tutuf Adventure, officially releases in the UK on Friday. Uh, you also have Railway Empire, that's getting a North American release. And that is it from what I've seen so far. I'm, I'm trying to... Um, get confirmation on the game descenders which is a um like a bike downhill game because uh-huh. i see three different release dates so i reached out to the publisher um but all this is going to be in in that weekly release post you've come to know and love that i'll be posting this weekend so that is everything jeffrey awesome look you got it done in three minutes jp holy crap i, I know <laughs> he can talk fast like the micro machine man barry holy crap <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you give him a time limit and he was like crap i gotta do it and no he exceeds breathing. that standard. That's awesome. I like it. JP doesn't need to breathe. He doesn't need to breathe. Um, has there been anything massive that you guys got in like this week? We can cover. We got two minutes. Um, I got my Xenoblade Chronicles UK Collector's Edition. That cool. just came in yesterday. And now that I love the game, I love this Collector's Edition because it comes with a vinyl and a steel book. Um, and, and JP, I got in Real Mist. <laughs> I, you know what? I looked online and mine is still showing the ninth as accepted. So it did not come in today, and I have no idea yeah. what to do. Mine didn't that. even ship. Yay! Yay! <laughs> um, so somehow I got in Real Mist. I got in Finding Teddy 2. Um, and yep. I got in the Sexy Brutale from Super Rare. All right. I'll, That's all, right. all I got. That's all I got, though. All right. I'll go quick. One um, minute. And from, I got 2064 uh, Valhalla from Limited Run Games. I got in. I got nope. I got uh, more of the Evercade games. I got all of them now. I got Clubhouse game or fifty one games worldwide that came in. I got the Indivisible. We didn't even talk about that. We should have um, Indivisible Kickstarter edition, 
with the North American cover with a European cart sealed inside, which is a big no-no. Put that um, in the notes so we can talk about it at the beginning of next episode. Good. I got my Bioshock, Borderlands, and XCOM collection in. I got two Japanese-only games. One is a Mahjong and one is a hamster mini kind of game. I got Zeo Drifter from Red Ark Games. And I got four new physical releases in the UK. Big Buck Hunter Arcade, Cartoon yeah. Network Battle Crashers, yeah. Ninja Clash of Carrots, and Goosebumps the Games. And that is everything I got in so far. What'd you get, oh, Barry? No, I'm sorry I lied. Ah, uh, stop, JP. Inferno, your minutes Little up. Little Inferno Steelbook Edition from Super Rare Games. Your, your, minute, your minute's up, JP. Barry, you, have, you have two minutes, done, Barry. I'm done, I'm done. You get two I minutes, got, Barry. I, get, I got uh, a lot of the same. I got Valhalla in 2064. I got uh, Zeo Drifter. Um, those came in. I got uh, Sexy Brutal from Super Rare. Nice. Uh, for me, the biggest one is my Shockbox Samurai Showdown finally showed up like four Yay! weeks after JP got to get to it. It finally showed up. Uh, Everybody got it already, except you, Barry. Uh, and and, and my, my Xenoblade... Uh, European collection that I got from Amazon still has yet to even ship. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. So I have no idea what's going on with that. I don't have the connections JP does to get that stuff. We we we, um, we don't we don't Barry. We don't. Um, I'm trying to think. Did I get any? I don't think I really got anything else. I don't, oh, I don't have the goals or anything like that. See? And and by the way, so listeners know this is all uh, blaming me because I had to go into our recording time for about an hour this morning because I had another meeting. So, uh, so where can we find each other? Um, you can find me hovering outside JP's window, staring creepily. Fair enough. I'm outside, um, Barry. <laughs> um, and I'm just scared <laughs> and Barry's scared um, so as always you can find this playcast at HagensAlley.com as long as all of my books that are available for sale you can find the Switch Collector Volume 1 at Switchopedia.com should be shipping hopefully next week if my warehouse can get everything processed in time I'm available on Facebook and the Twitter at Hagen's Alley and at Hagen's Alley Books on Instagram Barry you could find me at Twitter at Hawk Hellfire. You could find me on Facebook and on YouTube at Nintendo Fuse. JP, when you're not outside my house, which is a disclaimer, my neighbors have started complaining, please put on clothes while you're standing outside. They do not want to see you naked. Um, where can they find you when you're not there? Well, first of all, Barry, I have a phone, so I don't have to go anywhere. I don't even need clothes. I just need your internet connection, which I have. So, you can find me at jpfitchmania.com for reviews and your weekly releases. YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at jpswitchmania. If you really want to just hang out, Twitter's where it's at because I don't ever leave that place. Um, and I post as much as I can all day long. Uh, and we have giveaways, so go check those out as well. Awesome. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye. Have a good one. Bye.